Welcome to Making Metric Easy, presented by Outlaw Technology. I'm Hans Dietrich. And I'm Brie Oaxaca. And each week, we speak with the companies in the trenches of the seed-to-sale process. And today on our show, we're excited to have Caitlin Cartwright and Lindy Dickerson from Stash Ventures. Welcome. Thank you, guys. We're so happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. Stash Ventures is a vertically integrated cannabis company in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. And Caitlin and Stash has been working with Outlaw for a few years. Caitlin, you're the product inventory manager. And Lindy, you're the licensing and compliance coordinating specialist, right? That's right. Correct. Very cool. Well, Caitlin and Lindy, a little later in the show, we'd like to talk about your work and your roles at Stash, but how did you each get started in the industry? We always like to hear those origin stories of our guests. So whoever would like to go first, maybe Caitlin? I mean, I started in the industry, honestly, on a, on a fluke. I have been in banking uh, most of my career and just so happened to be working at a bank and had a couple people that had moved into town needing some checking accounts opened. And they were uh, directors actually at another, a different cannabis cultivation. And they, we just hit it off and they had an opening and it was just one of those things where the stars aligned and I have not left the cannabis industry ever since. Well, how long ago was that? I have been in this industry going on, I want to say, six years. So I started in the cannabis industry in Michigan when it was just medical. So I have been in into it since before. I think I think it was it was about a year before adult use actually hit the market that I started. Interesting. And Lindy, what about you? Well, I have a background in business administration and office work, so cannabis was not on my radar, but I moved here from Portland to Oregon in 2021 and was looking for jobs, and I jumped online and I saw that Stash had a position for licensing and application administrator. It meant a lot of the qualifications that I already had, a familiarity with computers and you know, all the Outlook stuff and all Microsoft, you know, platforms. So I just jumped in and said, you know what, I'm going to give them an interview and hopefully they like me. And I haven't looked back since. It's been two years with Stash and I really, really like it. I didn't think I'd ever work in this industry, but now that I have been, it's just, it's amazing and it's very interesting. It's not boring, that's for sure. (laughs) cannabis my entire life. My parents actually owned a grow, an indoor grow in Washington state uh, for a few years. And I got to help them out in the cultivation side. So that was pretty cool. That was when I was working a corporate job though. And before I even thought of moving to Michigan, but I'm really happy here and I'm loving it. So Lindy, you're basically a legacy grower. Yeah, that's exactly what I am. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's interesting. You you came from Oregon where there's grows all over the place, and now you're in Michigan. Last time we were in Michigan, we've actually been to Mount Pleasant a few times, Bree and I. We're shocked, and we talked about this with someone else, at how many dispensaries and grows there are just right there. I, I mean, I don't know. It seems to me like there may be just as many cultivation facilities in Michigan now as there are in Oregon and Washington State. What do you think, Lindy? Oh, my gosh. This area has just blown up. I mean, it's only been legal since 2018, and it has just completely exploded. There is a lot of saturation in the state. 
which is driving prices down, unfortunately. But you find that pretty much everywhere as each state legalizes it. There's always that really big jump, you know, where everybody gets in on it. And then the people that have the money, they stick around and the people that don't, they fizzle out. So yeah, it's a lot of competition right now, but we're in it for the long haul. And I do see us with a big future and I see us hanging out for a long, long time. Lindy, that's interesting you bring that up because we hear that from a lot of our customers. You know, there's a ton of, you know, as states transition from med only to med adult use and then, of course, expand their licensing. Um, You know, we keep seeing this sort of ebb and flow of, you know, everything kind of writing itself out and, you know, uh, inventory going up, price going down, and then kind of the leveling out. With that in mind, so tell us and our listeners a little bit more about Stash. How long has Stash been going for, where you guys started, and what your expansion has looked like in recent months? Well, we started in July of 2019. That's when we got our first application in with the state and got pre-approved. We opened up our first dispensary in 2020 in Muskegon, Michigan, under the name Timber Cannabis Co. That's the name of our dispensaries. And then we opened up two in a single year. We've got locations in Allegan. We've got locations in Sturgis. Three Rivers and Big Rapids, and then just yesterday, Mount Pleasant. So we've been on a very rapid pace um, from 2020 to now, having six retailers, a grow in Mount Pleasant, a grow in Owasso, and a processor in Mount Pleasant. So we have just been on a full speed ahead, and I don't see us slowing down. There's big plans for us in the future as well for expansion. That's fantastic. I remember when... You were just starting. Caitlin, if I recall correctly, you called me up before you had any plants even and wanted to get just everything organized and everything all set. Isn't that right? Correct. Yeah, I think I reached back out to you in early 2021. We were first starting and we knew from the beginning that we wanted to do like an integration system. Uh, an ERP system, and we wanted something that could make harvesting and waste and room movements and everything seamless, as well as also working with our ERP system, which at the time we were using, I think, LeafLogic. I reached out to you and heard about the company, and we've had a great partnership ever since. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. I mean, we've we've been working with you. You you went from. Uh, you became a mother. <laughs> yeah, well, we've been working with you. Congratulations on that again. I can't believe that's already been a year and a half. You I know. Said it's, uh, that's amazing how time flies. And it's been exciting to watch how quickly and and successfully Stash has been growing. But so for our listeners who aren't as familiar with you as we are, do you do just indoor cultivation or do you do outdoor we only do indoor exclusively. Yep. With our two facilities. And we usually ask how you audited and harvested and reported to metric before using outlaw, but you've used outlaw since you started. So that question is no good for you guys, but I do know that you uh, tried out a couple of ERP systems and used different ones at other companies. Cause Caitlin, yeah, I remember you worked at another company before stash. And as you mentioned just now too. So how, how did that go? Well, the company I was with before, we did not have a harvesting system. We just had an ERP system for the back end once it was already essentially packaged to track that 
type of stuff. So the first company I was with, we harvested directly out of metric plant by plant on just a good old scale. And then coming here, I was really adamant that we didn't need to go or shouldn't go that route and that there were easier options out there to make us more efficient and more accurate. So that was how that whole entire thing got started. And then we currently only use one ERP system here, which is going to be Flourish. And we only use that really over on the processing side. I'm not sure. I don't think that we use anything over on the cultivation. Honestly, outside of Outlaw, you guys are so seamlessly integrated with metric that it just makes it so that we really don't need to utilize anything other than you guys on the cultivation side. That's awesome. Brianna, Caitlin, you had a question too. Yeah, I did. So Caitlin, as you know, Stash has grown, as you guys have expanded into multiple facilities and such, what pain points have you guys had, you know, outside of outlaw tools? Oh my goodness. I would have to say there are pain points and honestly a little bit of of everything the the changing of the rules and the regulations i would say is probably the biggest pain point that i think we deal with periodically as does everybody else specifically speaking to the processing side at the moment utilizing the ERP system that we do have. I guess this is a good example is the gummies recently had a requirement change from the CRA and it changed in metric, which you had to have a branding and you had to have the THC breakdown and the dosage breakdown for your individual items. And that actually took a little bit of time in order for us to get essentially our ERP system all buttoned up to work with those new things. So metric will drop something and they don't necessarily let our ERP system know within a specific time frame. And you have to figure out how to pivot and do different things. I would say that's probably the biggest pain point for us is just how quick some of those changes from the CRA and from metric can be made. Speaking of changes in metric, I know, Caitlin, that you know metric really well. You worked with it at other companies before you came over to Stash. And I know that when you started with us, you had Leaf Logics, but then you quickly went back to just working with metric and us. So as you've watched these changes happen, you've seen metric evolve. How has that affected you? And do you have any suggestions you'd like to give metric? Or are you are you happy with the way metric has evolved and some of the new features they've added? I will definitely say that I am at this point happy with the changes metric has made. I think that since the time I've been in this industry, that a lot of people have really spoken out on ways that could, you know, be improved and things that could change. And it has always felt like they have listened to those pain points. And right now, it seems like every couple of months, they're dropping something new. And it's gotten faster and faster over the last couple of years, specifically, you know, there are still a few things here and there. But 
obviously you have to do things in a specific way in that type of system. So there are, you know, we, we are understanding that there are certain things that can't necessarily change or that take a little bit longer to change. But as of right now, I feel like metric has really listened to what us workers have requested or have said, you know, this really doesn't work and have made some really good changes. They're making things really automated now to be able to utilize scanning guns and different features like that, that really cut down your time on how long you have to do things in metric to accomplish one task. And speaking of that, you know, improved processing and all, you know, obviously everyone familiar with metric is familiar with those RFID tags. Uh, what's been your experience with those tags and as things have evolved in your company? RFID tags, as in you're talking like the plant tags, correct? Yep. So for us, I don't think much has honestly changed just because for the cultivation side, we've always had outlaw. And for that, it's very nice and easy. You can utilize your scan gun. You can use the um, RFID scanner that you guys provide for the outlaw system. And it just makes things seamless. You are scanning that in and you're not fudging a number by accident and not catching it until you've already done something that may not be able to be reversed. So it is really nice to be able to utilize the RFID feature on those metric tags. And I think that it's just made things so much more convenient when it comes to the cannabis industry. And definitely when you're in a market like Michigan, where there's so much competition, you need to make sure you've got those um, efficiencies in place to make sure you are, you know, spending your time focusing on what you want to focus on, which is, of course, your product. Correct. Speaking of your product, what do you guys consider to be your premier or premium or best products and strains? What sets you apart? Well, we're always trying to keep on top of the hot market, what people are wanting now. So we're bringing back a lot of the old OG strains, strains that have been around on the West Coast for many, many years. People want those again. So we're bringing them back. Um, California, Oregon, Washington, they've got some really good ones. So we're constantly watching the market and what people are wanting. So by bringing those back, it's been a big boom for us um, on those OG strains. There's another strain out there called Permanent Marker that everybody is going crazy over. They all want it. Everybody loves how it smokes. They just love the smoothness of it. So we're just, we can't hardly keep that on the shelf. It's, it's just been flying off the shelves. Um, and those are the, those are the couple of things that we've been working on the most right now is, is the OG strains and that permanent marker. I have not seen, I'm sorry. I've not seen permanent marker. Does it actually smell like a permanent marker? Oh God, I hope not. No. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of pivoting from your products and back to stash. So you guys have a couple of really great initiatives that you guys have, uh, specifically your higher hopes organization. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, we have a charitable foundation called Higher Hopes Foundation. And it was founded, uh, yes, it was founded last year, but it really kicked off most recently. So it's really of the mindset that we want to exist to give back to communities uh, through donations funded by profits from our cultivation, our retail, and our processing businesses. We are firm believers in community. We, it kind of sets us apart from other cannabis companies because we're so heavily focused on volunteerism, uh, donations, and unique events. 
Every time that we open up a new facility, which we just opened in Mount Pleasant, we have our dispensary Timber Cannabis Co. We took a poll from every customer that came in the door. We had three different jars with three different nonprofits listed, and people got to vote for their favorite of the neighborhood or from the community. And so the Humane Society was in there in the mix of the other two, and they took number one as people's favorite. I mean, you really can't go wrong with animals. People have a soft spot for them. And so we were able to give percentage of our profits to the Humane Society to really help those little critters. That's fantastic. What advice would you have for other companies or even just other people looking to come into the industry? You guys both came to it through various means. Lindy, you you obviously had some connection to it beforehand with your parents, but what would you tell people looking to enter it now? It's highly competitive right now. Without that capital funding, without that money backing you, it's going to be a struggle. We are lucky enough to have that, that big support from our owners um, to be able to keep us afloat. But it's it's a dog-eat-dog world right now in Michigan. Until things fizzle out, um, it's just very difficult to stay up in business. Um, we have been very fortunate, like I said, but it's it's challenging. So for people that are wanting to get into the business now, buckle up because it's a lot of work initially, a lot of outgo money for startup. And it's going to be, you know, a slower process getting into the, the cities that are, are now, you know, allowing cannabis to come into their cities. Um, there still are some cities that are against it that don't have it in their ordinance that are not allowing businesses. Um, so keeping in, t- in touch in touch with the different municipalities and different cities on what their laws are, what their regulations are and and what they're allowing. So that's a really big part of it as well, because without city approval, you're not going to do much. Michigan does have so many companies doing this, but how do you guys think it's affecting the quality of the product out there? Michigan's pretty well known for having a lot of good product. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I would have to say people are not only looking for highest THC, but they're looking for a really good deal. So in order to stay competitive, you have to have really good pricing, especially in your retailers. They want a, you know, a bang for their buck. They're looking for those bundle deals. They're looking for sales. They're looking for buy one, get one. They're looking for free coupons. Um, all the things that they can get to really keep costs down because as things are rising, just in the United States, just everything is costing more. People are always looking for a good deal. So you think they're looking more for a deal rather than a quality smoke? It's, you know, it's a tough one there. I would have to say they want a little bit of both. It's just right there in the middle, but you're going to have a hard time selling your most premier product unless you're going to run some sales or some good deals on them. Yeah, it's interesting because you guys mentioned before that you're shifting towards, um, you know, looking at cultivating more of those, what you referred to as these OG strains um, that were typically, you know, seen more so in the West Coast. Um, What are your impressions? Do you think the market is going to kind of, you know, continue to chase the high THC and kind of, you know, toe the line between high THC and best pricing? Or do you think there's going to be more of a shift toward what I'll call like craft, where people are going to look for more so those strains uh, from genetics from, you know, kind of build that brand loyalty with cultivations? What do you think? I'm really thinking that craft, you know, the latter part of what you just said, I'm really looking for those strains that maybe aren't as well known, you know, trying to find what's hot, what's new. 
Um, that seems to be where it's trending right now. And we're, we're really keeping on top of that. Yeah, we've seen in different states more of a focus on craft growers or craft growers are doing better than in some other states. And they're coming out with new new products all the time, you know, heavily focused on terps, terpenes, and it's it's just super interesting to watch. And it's also really exciting when we get to travel and and see these new products and smell them and and try them out. It's uh, there really is a big difference from area region to region of this country. Speaking of that. What's your opinion on federal legalization? How do you think that's going to affect you? Or have you guys thought about that at all? I don't think that it's something that Caitlin and I have really been involved in that's happening at a much higher level. Um, Obviously, I've heard some buzz about it, um, but I really can't speak honestly to that side of things. It would be really great if we could get that, you know, that crime schedule or down to a schedule. What is it? Three, I think they're trying to make it so that we can really get some people expunged, you know, from those cr- those crimes that they've been holding on to with marijuana. But as far as the rest of it, we really just, Kitlin and I really haven't delved into that. Yeah, you know, kind of centered around that same com- conversation of federal legalization is, of course, things like the Safe Banking Act, you know, making um, funding for, you know, cultivations and, you know, capital in, uh, investments and stuff more accessible for everybody. Yeah, you know, that is one thing that I will say is I have heard multiple times how hard it is that you put your livelihood into working in the cannabis industry and doing a great job. And then you turn around and you're ready to buy a home and you have a hard time even being able to get a bank that'll provide you with a mortgage because of the industry that you work in. You know, things like that, especially with me coming from a banking background, the last job that I was at, we had a bank that I will not name. uh, That was the most prominent bank in town. And over half of our staff had their checking accounts and savings and, you know, whatever with that bank. And they actually canceled everybody's checking accounts when they found out the company that they worked for, mailed them a check in the mail and said, you can never bank with us again. So, you know, it would be really nice to not have those restrictions on hardworking people who just want the best for the industry. That's insane. I can't believe that stuff still happens, but it does. We all know it does. Other than your own dispensaries, where else can people in Michigan find your product? Do you sell it pretty much statewide? We do. We have a booming wholesale market that I think you can honestly find in a lot of other retails. Uh, we have do have a, a sales representative who is always out there pounding the pavement and We have places that are all over from in the UP to Detroit down to Kalamazoo, all over the state that purchase from us. So we do specialize in providing for our own retails as well as essentially every single thing that is in our retail stores that we create, whether that come from cultivation or from our processing side, which produces live resin, gummies, uh, vape cartridges. The whole nine yards, we sell not only to out of our timber stores, but all of it can be found on our wholesale menu. And anybody from any dispensary in the state of Michigan that's licensed can purchase. 
So how do people contact you? How do they find you? What are your social media handles? Our social media handles are out there on Facebook and on Instagram. Our handles are high-minded underscore canna or timber canna. It's how you can find us. We also are on Weed Maps, and the wholesale market is advertised on LeafLink. So we do use the LeafLink uh, platform to get out there for all of the third-party dispensaries that would like to purchase from us. And we just have one cohesive menu that they can essentially go on and pick and choose what they would like to purchase. And then we have a two- to four-day turnaround time on shipping out the door. So LeafLink for dispensaries, check them out. And if you're a consumer, go to Weed Maps. You'll find them there. Caitlin. You've had this experience working with some of the other tent companies in the industry. What's your customer experience been like with them and with Outlaw overall? I would say customer experience, customer service experience has been amazing with Outlaw. Bree was always there anytime that we needed to reach out with questions or any update concerns. Uh, I know at one point we needed a new handheld gun and I think Bree had it in at my facility within like three to five days. It was a very quick turnaround time. And then with our ERP system that we utilize on the processing side, which is Flourish, their customer service is phenomenal. They have a portal that we reach out to them. We're able to upload CSV documents and so on and so forth. They are always answering us within an hour and usually have a resolution within 24 to 48. I think that metrics sometimes can really drag a little bit considering they have so many people and so many different customers. But when it comes to the other systems that we utilize here, we've just had such a great experience and it's been such a pleasure to work with you guys for the last couple of years. It's been a pleasure working with you too. Bree and I often compare customers and you are definitely one of our favorite. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. We've got one question that we ask everybody who comes on our show. Bree, why don't you do the honors? You got it. So Lindy and Caitlin, our last question for you guys is we want to know who's your favorite outlaw. And I have to say, we're going to go back to the nineties here. You know, the movie Tombstone and Doc Holliday. I'm your Huckleberry. I absolutely love that character. I love the story of Doc Holliday. He was a dentist turned into a gunfighter and the OK Corral shootout. I just have a love for that. So I'd have to say Doc Holliday is my favorite. That's a great one. And Caitlin? I must admit, I've never really (laughs) been into all of that. I don't necessarily have like a favorite outlaw. Um yeah, I, I don't think that I necessarily have one of those. I'm a 90s baby, so it's a little hard to say <laughs> to say exactly, you know, back in the day, I wasn't really brought up on any of that stuff. You're too young. No, I know. <laughs> a youngin. Well, thank you, Caitlin and Lindy, for being on our show. We really appreciate it. Thank you. You guys are the best. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. If you have any questions you'd like us to ask on our show about compliance, metric, or automation, 
please email them to us at info at outlawtechnology.net. You can download past episodes of our program by going to outlawtechnology.net, cannabisradio.com, or the Cannabis Radio app for iTunes and Google Play, as well as subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, and Spotify. Thanks for listening, and be well. Be well.